a Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey masterclass, potentially the worst game ever. Matt rules out in Carolina and the G-Men. Are they the real deal? All that and more coming up on The Punt Return. Welcome back to the Punt Return podcast for week six of the NFL season. It's hard to believe, but yes, we are already six weeks into the season. And uh, I introduce now my co-host, Nick Splitter. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Getting there, getting there. And uh, yeah, just wanted to, to give you a, a shout out for your hosting duties last week. I reckon reckon that might have been the uh, the best hosted show for a while. <laughs> You're far too kind, and I don't. I definitely don't agree with that. It certainly feels weird being a bit on this side of the of the mic, I suppose, in in one sense of the word. But um, nah, let's hope you feel a bit better next week, and we we can see what we go with going forward. Happy to be in the chair again this week as we head into week six, as I mentioned, which is. Just a crazy thought in itself that we're already five weeks down and, uh, you know, the season's really starting to take shape now and, and we saw off the last game a Monday night football spectacular. Again, it was the Chiefs at the centre of it and they were down 17-0 to their uh, rival, the Raiders, but uh, they got the job done. It was just the second time in Paddy Mahomes' career that he was down 17-0 and, or from 17 points and come back and... You know, in fairness, they're not down by that much, really, that that often. But uh, he got the job done, and again, it was his man, Travis Kelsey, that helped him deliver it. Your man, your man, Travis Kelsey. But yeah, I mean, it's always a, always a compelling matchup, isn't it, the, the Raiders-Chiefs, especially in the last, I guess, this last generation or iteration of, of both of those franchises. Um, you know, in, in the Pat Mahomes era, I think especially that the Raiders, the Raiders tend to get themselves up for these games, and um, it's kind of up, up to the Chiefs to kind of prove that they are that class above. And, and you know, for, for, for the most part, they, they generally do that. Um, but the, the Raiders tend to give it to them almost every time. It was an absolutely cracking match, and the Raiders started hot. The Chiefs could get nothing going on offense, but of course, it all clicked into gear pretty much in the second half. And wow, it was incredible just to watch um, some of the poetry in motion from uh, Travis Kelsey, who... You know, I know that he didn't have much yards. I think he only had 27 yards, but four touchdowns, uh, a career high, obviously, and, and an incredible performance from him and, and Patrick Mahomes, obviously, teaming up. But that defense as well, pretty ordinary early, allowing those big plays and, again, almost um, allowed, like, a game-winning drive uh, at the end. But during those middle parts of the game, they were they were unstoppable and the Raiders could get nothing going. So kudos to the Chiefs, who... Again, take control of that AFC West, move to four and one, and incredibly, Patrick Mahomes now is twenty three and three against AFC West division opponents in his whole career. So, an incredible stat for Patrick Mahomes. But that was the um, complete opposite to what we saw uh, at the beginning of the week, and that was probably <laughs> the worst game I've ever watched. Certainly in recent memory, the Thursday night football match between the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos. A 12-9 result in the end of the Colts, but God, it was ugly. Oh, it was so ugly. That was, yeah, like you said, potentially the worst game that I've I've ever seen. And and there's been a few. I mean, o- over the last decade, there's been some really bad fo- games of football, and it's been those those odd occasions, you know, one or two times a year where you just get an absolute stinker. And that was the the stinkiest of all stinkers, I reckon. That was just a, a horrific game to watch. There was nothing, no redeeming quality. Uh, to it at all, uh, except for the fact that the uh, that the Colts got there in the end, I guess for my uh, my division division play. But geez, I tell you what, they're not they're not doing it well. They're not doing it nicely. They don't they don't look comfortable in any 
in any sense of, of football at all, and, and they're running out of time to, to, to put it together. Oh, absolutely, mate. It was it was pretty ordinary viewing, that's for sure. And the, and even the fact that it was close certainly didn't couldn't save the game. And um, despite it going down to the right, you know, the last very last play of the game, it, it was still pretty awful watching. We saw a dozen punts, so almost as many punts as there were points in the match. Both quarterbacks threw interceptions. We saw a number of sacks. Matt Ryan again sacked six times, which is um, equal with Matthew Stafford. So him and him and Stafford have both been sacked twenty one times this year, which is over four a game, which is, you know, on world record pace as well. So it just shows you how poor that offensive line has been for the Colts and, and why they've struggled so far this season. Was... And somehow the defense, though, is saving them and, and they get to 2-2-1 two, two and one with a winnable matchup here in week six. But, yeah, we move on from, from that one. And, unfortunately, we get probably one just as bad or if not worse on paper <laughs> this Thursday yeah. night game. Yeah, it is, it is another another like you said, on paper, terrible matchup. But you never know. Sometimes sometimes the ones that you, you least expect can, can bring out a classic. And, and hopefully this week, uh, Thursday Night Football is, is yeah at least better than last week. It's going to be hard to be worse. But, I mean, we... <laughs> we set we, the um, bar low. It's a, it's, a very, it's a very low bar. We, we talked last week or, or on socials last week, kind of before, uh, before that Colts-Broncos game about... You know, having not yet seen the best of Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson in, in their respective new franchises. And I, th- I think that's still true. And, and uh, I guess the question now is, are we going to see um, anything better? I mean, the, the Broncos, Broncos have invested a lot into Russell Wilson. There's you know, the five years remaining on that, that $250 million contract. Um, Matt Ryan obviously was meant to be the, you know, the, the next in the, in the line of, of, you know, experienced uh, experienced guys to lead that to lead that offense and and just hasn't yeah hasn't kind of taken that step um, in, in Indy and and there's a lot of reasons why and, and that offensive line uh, that, that you've mentioned uh, is a huge reason obviously the the receiving core you know they lost they lost a couple of guys in, in the off season as well uh, a lot of pressure on Michael Pittman who's missed some time um, but you you would have thought. And I, I really thought that, that Indy had turned the corner with the way that they approached offensive line. And yeah, they're, they're going to have some guys coming back, you know, over the next few weeks as well, which is going to help. But, you know, w- we saw during the uh, the Andrew Luck era in Indy that, you know, you can have the best quarterback in the world and without an offensive line, you're going to struggle. And, you know, it cost, it cost Indy Andrew Luck. It cost Andrew Luck his career, essentially. Mm. Um, and, and it cost, you know, football fans seeing... Uh, the best of Andrew Luck as well, and and you know I, I really worry that we're not going to be able to see vintage Matt Ryan, even if it's not you know Pro Bowl Matt Ryan, you know vintage Matt Ryan uh, with the Colts this year because they just haven't got the pieces to support him this year, and and you know that really got opportunity in, in a winnable division, yeah, it's competitive division, but really really good opportunity for them to to kind of take a stranglehold in in this division, um, and I, I still think that they do it, but. Like I said last week, I said last week they're running out of time, and they are—they're definitely running out of time now. Yeah, they're making it hard for themselves, that's for sure. And it's an interesting point on India. I won't spend too much more time on them, but the fact that they kind of keep hanging around that middle part of of the NFL—it's just no man land, as it is in any sport where there's a draft and. The problem for India, I suppose, is that they're limping into the playoffs or just missing, and and they're getting those, you know high team picks and and that's not going to get it done in the NFL is it you really need that top end talent coming through in the draft if you're rebuilding that way and 
haven't been able to do it by by trading for vets either, but as it seems. So they're just kind of well, the, in no man's land at the moment. You're right, and the concerning thing is that that three years ago they were they were certainly on that upward trajectory. You know, they were they were what we were talking about back then as kind of you know the New Orleans light. You know, they were good on offense. They were very good on defense. Uh, they'd finally figured out their offensive line. You know, they were working with um, experienced QBs like Phil Rivers and and those types of guys. Uh, moving on from the the post Andrew Luck era, uh, and a couple of you know kind of not up to par younger QBs, but um, it really looked like they'd built that franchise to be competitive on both sides of the field, both you know all facets of the game, offense, defense, special teams, etc. Really good coach, uh, and and they were led really well from a front office perspective, uh, and everything that they were doing seemed to be putting them into a, into a good position to to compete for a very long time and. It is concerning to kind of see how that's fallen by the wayside in the last 18 months. Yeah, it's a really, really good point, Nick. Uh, but we will move on as we get through the talking points we want to get through. And, and Matt Rule is the first man to go in the coaching carousel. That is the NFL. But Matt Rule leaves Carolina in a pretty ordinary position. He uh, signed on for a mega seven-year deal. Uh, hasn't even made it through three seasons uh, the former Baylor coach. So no doubt he'll end up back in college football with a few vacancies um, popping up as well. So the, so he's probably done pretty well out of it. He got a seven-year contract. He's got all this guaranteed money coming to him and then he ends back in, in a system that's probably a little bit more suited to him and a lot more familiar, that's for sure. But it, it probably was the inevitable and the writing on the wall. As I, as I mentioned last week, that he'd be first to go. I certainly didn't probably anticipate it to be this quickly, but um, after the way they played it against San Fran last week at home, again, the... The boos ringing down on on the crowd and and probably were outnumbered in the, in the, in the crowd by the Niners fans. So, yeah, the writing's on the wall and and of course Baker Mayfield hurt himself and he's going to be missing for the next you know potentially four to six weeks as well. So, mm. a big change in the guard in Carolina coming up uh, this part of the season. Uh, I, f- I feel a bit for Matt Rule and and like you said, it was kind of the writing's been on the wall for a little while, but I do feel like he's never really had the opportunity to do something that he wanted to do in Carolina. I mean, the, the entire time up until five weeks ago, you know, he didn't have Christian McCaffrey. He's, he's never really had a settled starting QB. You've, you've had a bit of a carousel with that QB spot and they finally made the investment, the trade for, for Baker Mayfield. And even he, you know, he hasn't been able to get it right in, in five weeks, but even still, it's only a five week sample size. So at what point do you kind of say, Hey, we haven't really given this guy a shot or this guy's never really had a chance to, to prove what he can do and, and to do his thing. He hasn't had your, your star running back. You haven't had a star QB. You haven't had those pieces. At what point do you go, hang on, we've got to give him some time. And, and that was my that was my kind of thinking last week that you know, potentially need to, to give it another few more weeks um, with McCaffrey, with Baker, um, and with Rule, you know, trying to trying to play his game style and, and, and do the things that he wanted to do. But, you know, it's pretty hard when, when you're looking at the way that they're playing um, it's, it's pretty hard to argue against that that sort of decision. Yeah, it's it's a really valid point. He has he's been yeah without weapons and, and his best player Christian McCaffrey, as you said, for the last two seasons and and at least five or six quarterbacks uh, starting quarterbacks in that time as well. And and PJ Walker, the vet, comes back to to take over the starting duties now while Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield sit on the sidelines injured. And speaking without, of injuries, good segue. Without, Go on. Sorry, just just before you get on onto the next point, but you look at who who some of those weapons were without McCaffrey, without having a, a QB, and you've got 
is DJ, DJ Moore your number one guy? Is like is Robbie Anderson your number one guy? And that's kind of that's the level that they were at. They, they didn't even really have a proper number two guy, let alone a number one guy, um, in, in any of those kind of major spots. So it's it's been tough going for Matt Rule, and, and I feel for him. But yeah, I guess some some changes did have to be made there. Move on to the next point, and, and more season-ending injuries. This time, the curse has bitten the San Francisco 49ers once again. Uh, this time on the defensive end with uh, cornerback Emmanuel Mosley now missing the entire season with an ACL injury. Uh, there was more injuries as well for the Niners who, you know, we saw Nick Bosa leave the game and not return. We don't know the extent of his groin injury at this stage, but Jimmy Ward had a broken hand in that one, and he's gone in for surgery. So their safety... Um, is also going to be missing for the next number of weeks. So, again, the Niners just curse with injuries. And, and uh, the other big one, of course, this week was Rashad Penny for the Seahawks, uh, the running back who uh, also was having probably a career year and, and had a really explosive back half of last year or the last six weeks of the season and, and really started to hit some form over the last couple of weeks. But, unfortunately, he's gone down as well. Yes, yeah, tough, tough news for, for both. I mean, the, the, the franchise, the Niners, I mean, They've just been decimated by injury over the last half a decade uh, on, on both sides of the ball. It's, it's the defense's turn right now, but they've had their they've had their their turns already over the past few years as well. And you know, hopefully Nick Bosa is not too bad, and, and hopefully doesn't miss too much time, if, if any. Hopefully Jimmy Ward can can come back quickly. But yeah, Mosley Mosley is a big loss. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Rashad Penny. I mean, he kindly kind of finally felt settled as as that number one back in, in Seattle and, and was doing a really good job. Um, you know, started the season as the starter, uh, was kind of penciled in to be the starter for the entire season, barring injury, of course. And, and we know that he, he has been prone to to some leg injuries and, and issues in the past. And yeah, it's just a shame. A broken, was a broken tibia, broken fibula, one of, one of those, one oh, of those bones, Penny, yeah. Yeah. I think for, for Penny. Um, and yeah, going to miss the season. And, I guess the way you know, there's an opportunity there, and, and I think everybody's been surprised by the Seattle offense, and, and there's a, an opportunity there for for their rookie running back to kind of take that and, and run with it. Uh, pardon the pun, but um, you know, showed a bit, showed a bit in his uh, in his debut as the the number one, I guess, last week when when he came on um, and, and had an impact and, and showed that he can be dynamic and, and make things happen. And you know, uh, I guess there's some some growing pains there, I guess, in that in that Seattle. Uh, franchise, I guess, as a whole, but some opportunities, and, and you got to turn these turn these setbacks into opportunities when you're a when you're a rebuilding franchise like Seattle are. Yeah, absolutely, and he he showed plenty last year in his collegiate career at Michigan State. Kenneth Walker, enough so for me to put him as my dark horse for the offensive rookie of the year. And now that bet doesn't look too bad if he can be the the cow, uh, the bell cow there at uh, at Seattle, who's obviously a probably a run first team I would say and, and probably always have been even um, you know when they did have Russell Wilson so yeah I hopefully that um, that can put him into contention in that market but yeah just a shame to see a couple more talented guys go down with season ending injuries now we move on to another surprise packet this year and that's the New York Giants I'm loving it at the moment they're four and one <laughs> I certainly didn't expect them to get another win this week uh, against the Packers however they have matched their win total from the whole of last year, and uh, they're looking okay in, in potentially what is the best division in football, mate, the NFC East. The best division in football. I'll tell you what, if someone had said that to me six weeks ago, I would have I don't, I'd maybe kicked them in the balls or something. I don't know. I don't know what my, what my response would have been, but that is, I mean, 
an insane comment to make and and to say that the giants are four and one is just mind-boggling um I mean, credit to you. You kind of picked picked that sort of improvement from them this season. I'm not sure even you had them at four and nah, one. Though. No, I definitely didn't um, have them at four and one. But but I, I do I do think that their win loss record potentially is inflated a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit more about the the ins and, and outs of the Giants when we come to their matchup a bit later on. But yeah, they haven't really played too much. They haven't really beaten too much at this stage. And and the only real team of note that they've played so far this season has been the Cowboys, and and of course the Cowboys beat them. So, um, you know, it, it is going to be interesting this week to see them come up against what what I think is a really top level team in in the Ravens, and um, you know, really intrigued to see how they how they handle that that type of pressure. And by extension, for the G Men winning last week, where did, where does that leave the Green Bay Packers, mate? Oh, huge huge question marks. I, I still think. I still think they're a really good team. I mean, it is it is the NFC, and there's a you know there's there's plenty of opportunities for average to good teams to to you know win their divisions, make playoffs, wildcard, whatever you want to call it. There's plenty of opportunity, and and I still think that they're good enough to do that. But there are some question marks, and and we've said all along that the the receiving core is, is going to be an issue, uh, and it is. Uh, and, and again, we'll talk more about some of those those stats and and the data as we look at their next matchup as well, but. Um, Aaron Rodgers is dearly missing Devonta Adams, uh, and if not Devonta Adams specifically, then a clear number one deep threat, which he doesn't seem to have at the moment, um, and and his numbers kind of show that. Um, and you know, on, on the other side of, of the ball, I think we expected a bit more out of the the Packers' defense this year. They've been good, but I think we were expecting them to be an elite unit, and, that, and they haven't reached those heights yet. But there is time, and and that is a developing unit. I do expect them to get better. Um, and you know, I think that it's. I, th- I think that we've got to be wary of the Packers. They're clearly not the Packers of the last year or two. You know, MVP Rogers seasons. Um, but uh, yeah, I still think they're good enough. They're good enough to be a playoff team, and I still think that they they uh, will upset a few teams this season. Do you have them winning the NFC North at the moment? I I still do, but only just, only just, Getting because I think I think well. I, I like the Vikes, and I think I said that mm. at, at the start of the season, that, that I think the question mark about them was they've got all the talent in the world, but whether they could put it together uh, consistently enough for long enough to, to, to do that is the question mark. I think that's still a question. Um, you know, my, my trust is only slightly ahead with the Packers and the Vikes, but, yeah, I, I, I've got them winning the division, but it's pretty close at the moment. Well, just the quickly on the Vikings and, and that consistency, consist, consistency, I'll try that again, as we as we touched on, is that's the key thing with the Vikings. And they fade in and out of games like they did under Mike Zimmer. And it was a perfect example last week against the Bears. They ran out and rushed out to 21-3. They were leading, looking complete control of that game against the Bears. And then you look look back and the Bears are in front, 22-21, as we get, get towards yeah. the last quarter. And it only took, um, you know, a late kind of drive again by Kirk Cousins to, to seal the deal. But these, these are the things that the, this is the worry with the Vikings. They don't ever put teams away and they always leave it to the last minute to either hang on or, or, or try and make a late furious comeback. So, and that was, that was exactly the point. I mean, yeah. that was the exact yeah. type of example that we talked about preseason that, you know, they could, they could put up 24, 27 points really quickly on almost anybody, but almost anybody could then do it back to them in another yeah. 12 minutes. They go to sleep. And, you know, 
Yeah, and that's it. And and you know they still haven't rectified that issue. I, I, again, I think I think that they 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 they're on the right track. I think that they're doing the right things, but they really really need to rectify that issue. That they need to stop um, conceding volume points in, in quick succession for them to be a real contender. I think that they're a good team. I think they're a good to a very good team, but they're not. They're nowhere near a very good to elite team. Um, and that's that's the the difference for them. And yeah. and if if they didn't have those defensive lapses, then they would be kind of streets ahead in terms of favoritism for the division at the moment. Yeah. Well, if you compare the 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 you know the talent in terms of the offensive side there for for the Vikings, it's it's chalk and cheese compared to the Packers. Yeah. And the the concern I suppose for Green Bay was is the way they lost last week. They led by ten at half time. They were you know they were in control, and then all of a sudden they let the Giants who other than Saquon, didn't do much on offense. And, mm. you know, Daniel Jones was steady, but they somehow rattled off 17 straight points and, and won the game. So, yeah, a few concerns for the Packers, but they should get back back on track this week, or we're thinking, uh, against another New York team. And The G-men, the Brian Dayball effect has been just mm. what oh, just what, what you asked for. You know, he's steadied that offense. He's not asked them to do too much. Just do what you need to do. And, mm. you know, they're not doing anything spectacular, but... They're doing what they need to do. They're moving the ball and moving the chains, and and they're putting up some points. That's it. And and the debate and the defense has always been you know solid enough in in New York. So, yeah, good signs for the G men. But uh, yeah, huge matchup with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens coming to town this week. And we finish with the final talking point, probably my favorite, and and I'm I'm sure yours too, mate. The Sunday night football spectacular: the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, the two teams that absolutely hate each other. They are essentially both 5-0 teams because the Eagles, of course, are 5-0 this season. But Cooper Rush, who's leading that Dallas offense, is 5-0 as a starter in this league. Who would have thought? And he did absolutely nothing against the Rams. But he didn't have to because that defense just took over. And and that's the concern, I suppose, for Philly coming in. They obviously do start favorites, and rightly so. But that Dallas defense is just doing something special so far this season. They're good. I'll give them that. They're good. They're good. But... Hey, look, Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans are accusing Cowboys fans are accusing Eagles fans of just being obsessed with the Cowboys. So, you know, five and zip, four and one. You choose. It's going to be an unreal matchup. I can't wait for it. I, I just think it's it's a, it's a perfect testing ground for both teams to see where they're at. I'm sure it's going to be a close match, and and it won't tell us too much, I suppose yet. But the way I suppose you looked a little bit vulnerable last week against the Cardinals. And the way that Dallas, I mean, they only beat the Rams, and it's weird to say that, but the Rams are really struggling, and um, maybe the win doesn't doesn't look as good um, on paper because of how how bad the Rams are going. But I, I can't wait for this matchup. And 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 to be honest, yeah. I know you've labelled an, another match match of the week, and it's probably the one just before it is probably in fairness, Buffalo and Kansas City is going to be an unbelievable matchup as well, mm. um, especially after what we saw last year in the playoffs. So. <laughs> Can't wait for that one. So it's probably hard to actually put this one ahead of that. But yeah, it, it the, is. It, it's going to be that... an insane. It's it's going to be. I mean, hopefully th- these games are generally pretty close. They're really yeah. hard fought. Um, you know, the, the two teams hate each other. The fan bases hate each other. Um, you know, and when when both teams are going well, it's it's good for football. It's good for the NFL. It's good for the league. Uh, it's a great spectacle. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. And I just I've got. Everything, everything crossed that we're six and zip after that because that just, I mean, we could lose every game for the rest of the season. Yeah. We beat, da- beat Dallas and I'm happy. So, you know. 
yeah, I, I think yeah, that's exactly right. It, it, it's more the, um, the what it means to the fans and what it means to the NFL that this kind of match up, especially on a prime time game where the teams are doing well, as you said, at the top of the NFC East, of course, the, the NFC beast, we should start calling it rather than the <laughs> NFC East, at least at the well, moment. You're, if, if, uh, if the Giants win, if the Giants win and the Cowboys lose, then your bet that looked a lock at the start of the season for the Eagles Cowboys to be the top two in, in the NFC East could be in a little bit of danger. Yeah, I need the Giants to slow down, the the great G-men. But uh, anyway, it, it's looking good so far. But let's move on to a final talking point, and, and that's a fantasy update, mate. We, we mentioned last week that we'd be doing this moving forward, and, and we've got good news to share as well because the fantasy team that we co-manage and is, of course, labeled, as named the Punt Rocket Return podcast because we're very creative like that, and we're flying three in a row. Biggest point score of the week this week as well. I think we scored about 160-odd, and that's only in a 0.5 PPR league, mind you. So, um, And we've also now taken over as the highest-scoring team in the whole league mm-hmm. to date. So, yeah, to lose the first two games was disappointing, but we've rattled back with three big wins, and, and we're looking good, mate. We are. I think we, were, I think we were hit by some bad luck in weeks one and two. I think we were hit by some real bad luck. Uh but, you know, we're putting things together. We're making some moves. We, we've hit the waiver wire, I think, you know, intelligently. You know, nothing over the top, but but we've done the right moves and, and picked players when we had to. But, yeah, our team our team doesn't look like it's stacked by any means. But, like you said, highest point scorers in the league, biggest score of the weekend. And, obviously, having uh, Trav Kelsey and uh, Austin Eckler on, on the squad last week helped. Yeah, but, uh, definitely. Yeah, three, three in a row, and we're, we're now three and two, and... Yeah, making some moves. Um, you know, I think we're we're in a solid position. Of course, as you just mentioned, some some astute waiver wire moves and jumping onto Jeff Wilson very early it helped that we'd actually lost our opening one or two games when we picked him up, so we could get him early. Um, we had the had the priority there, and and then of course um, some other little moves going on as well. So yeah, all looking well so far. But um, well, we're good able, to we were able to get Michael Gallup. Um, you know, yeah, the week before the week before he came back, tried to make that a priority because we knew that we were kind of struggling. Uh, invested, you know, an earliest pick on Chris Godwin, and, and obviously missed him for for a couple of weeks. Uh, Michael Pittman hasn't been the Michael Pittman that we expected out of that indie offense, so we were struggling a little bit. But um, you know, like you said, made made some moves, and uh, yeah, being able to get Jeff Wilson was was a big one. We've got Gallup now, so our receiver core doesn't look too bad, and you've got Marquise Brown there. As well, your your man Tony Pollard, who was you were big on preseason, um, you know, has done some good things, and, and we've managed to use him, you know, in the, in the right matchups and, and get some points out of him when when we've needed to, and just got some got some good good guys on the, on the bench waiting to come in if if we need to. Well, we've also made some good moves on the kicking front because that's true. The week before last, we had Brett Maher come in and score double figures, I think, uh, as the Cowboys kicker came in, and then. Look, we had to drop him but after no fault of his own, but Justin Tucker somehow was available and, and quickly snapped him up. And the best kicker in the league, Julie, delivered on um, Sunday you night with a you don't couple of 50-yarders. You don't drop I, I don't know Tucker, who dropped him, I, and I don't know what for. It wasn't a bye week or anything. It was no. bizarre. You don't, you don't drop Justin Tucker. You just don't. I mean, he's set and forget. Unless he, unless exactly. he gets injured, he's, Justin Tucker is the most set and forget player in fantasy football outside of maybe Cooper Cup. Yeah, hundred percent. He's he's probably he could be arguably the best player at his position in all sports. Like he just does go, just turns up, 
does his thing, never misses a field goal, and absolute weapon. And, and I'm very glad to have him on the punt return podcast team now, and he will be a set and forget, as you mentioned. But uh, let's do a quick whip around the grounds for week five before we head into the week six previews, uh, and probably our best week so far in terms of the mm-hmm. of the bets, headlined by our lock of the week, which never well, looked if, like... Well, if anyone, if anyone checks that out, our Twitter account, you would have seen a lot of green ticks in, in those uh, reactionary tweets after... After uh, the, the the Sunday Sunday football slate, that was handy. To, uh, yeah, yeah it, it was, was a good week, we, wasn't it? We had a couple of red crosses after that, but uh, yeah, like I mentioned, the lock of the week, the important one, did get up, and that was the Bills, and that was a pretty comfortable watch, I suppose. After we saw a ninety-eight yard touchdown in the opening drive of the match, that certainly started <laughs> things off well for us, and then it was a thirty-eight-three win. I thought something like that to the Bills, so it was a, a dominant victory, covered the line comfortably. Tough uh, when that line is, is two and a bit touchdowns as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that was a 14.5-point line. So, yeah, pretty pretty happy with that one. Your Vikings made hard work of it, but they got the cover, and you're lucky you got in early because the line did stretch out, I think, to it seven did. or seven and a half. It so. did, and I, actually, and I actually missed it pre-game because it came out and I missed it. So, Well, we locked it in as a minus six and a half on the podcast, and that's an official win. Uh, we also had the Overs in the Saints and Seahawks. So well done there, mate. That got absolutely obliterated. Nick Chubb had himself a day at Tennessee. We didn't have the exact player prop markets, but our great man Nick said just get in everything over the Overs, <laughs> bet the touchdown line, and he he got two touchdowns and at a hundred over over one hundred and thirty rushing yards. So he he absolutely dominated. And I had the Titans to to cover against Washington, mm. although that looked a bit dicey late in the game before Carson Wentz became Carson Wentz on the goal line. And our great man, Nick Splitter, actually tipped the exact score. If you, uh, if you don't mind. If we had the if audio to play, we'd play it for you now. But he said, I see this game being a low score, 17-14 or 21-17, which exactly it was. So uh, the Titans got the job done there. But a couple of crosses, which were some big names, like the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Detroit. Yeah. And they only never get, never again file at the moment after they laid a duck egg against the Pats of all teams. So, yeah, Lions. Luck, lucky good. they're on a bye this week. That's all I say. <laughs> lucky they've got the bye this week. But I mean, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay were pretty close. Like they they had that in hand, Ten, yeah. and then let it slip late. Um, but yeah, twenty one nil up in the last quarter against yeah. the Falcons, and they uh, yeah, didn't cover the and potentially almost lost that game if not for yes. one of the worst calls in all of sports history, uh, that roughing the passer call, which we haven't gone into, but we won't because we'll probably spend far too much time on it. But uh, it was a good mention of that, that Detroit is one of the four teams on the bye this week, the early bye week, the first one of the season. So we've got three less, uh, two less matchups, I should say, this week. It's Detroit, Las Vegas, Houston, and Tennessee. They're all on the buys this week. So we've got two less matchups as 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 we just mentioned. So let's get into it this week with that blockbuster that we've already touched on, the Thursday night football game. Washington at Chicago. The Bears actually go in uh, as minus one point favorites in this one. The total is 37 and a half, and it probably should be more like 13 and a half, shouldn't it, mate? Yeah, you're not wrong. There's uh, there's not much to look forward to in this one. And uh, not, yeah, like you said, not sure how it reaches 37 or 38 points in this one. But just based on what we saw last week and, and the way that both of these franchise offense uh, work, um, like we've touched on last week's Thursday Night Football, potentially the worst game we've ever seen. This one, 
just looking at the two lineups, the two teams, the two franchises, projects to be even worse. And I'm not sure how that's even possible. But they are both bottom five DVOA teams. They both sit in the bottom half of the league, which is a conservative comment in both DVOA offense and DVOA defense. Uh, this is uh, not even sure how I'm going to get myself up to watch this one. It's it's a clear no play for me, but uh, not even sure it's a must watch. No, I, I I would be inclined to be. Uh, hopefully, there's some NBA preseason or something on instead, or there'll be definitely MLB postseason. Did your Phillies get up today, by the way, mate? I should have asked. I forgot. I saw they were winning. The Phillies did get up. They were, oh. got a bit dicey. They were they were six three up into the heading into the last innings and conceded a couple of runs, but ended up winning six uh, five or seven six. So yeah, nice. Well, hopefully they're on Friday and we can watch them instead of watching this. Absolute abomination of a game this will Absolutely. be. Because... And if you told me if you told me that the Phillies would be le- leading the uh, NLDS uh, against the Atlanta Braves, I would have told you that you're joking. That we don't the Phillies don't make playoffs. So it's all coming know. up, Philly. It's all coming <laughs> up, Philly. And we're about to kick off in the NBA too. So good signs to be a Philly fan at the moment. But yeah, certainly not great signs to be a Chicago or a Washington fan. That's for sure. But I don't know how the Bears can beat the the commanders here just because of the fact that the commanders I, I'm sure will put up some points and I've got no doubt that they'll score a touchdown or two in this one and that might be enough and and I'd, I'm almost tempted to play Washington here but just because of it's a disgusting game I'm going to stay out of this one and again the unders is is probably the play here but you just couldn't get involved it's an interesting um, dynamic as well with you know, Ron Rivera calling out his quarterback this week and then and then kind of backtracking and it was a bit awkward and, yeah, not really sure what to make of that. But hopefully Carson Wentz can, you know, play with a bit of a chip on his shoulder and, and, and show the form he did in week one or two, and week one and two where he, where he actually really slung the ball around and, and used that pretty, you know, talented receiver court that he's got in, in Washington. And that that's um, the big difference in the teams here. And, yeah, I, I think they're, they're better at quarterback in this matchup and I, I think they're certainly better on offense, but... I suppose that Bears defense is, is a far better proposition than the Commanders one. So it's a stay out, but uh, I kind of lean the Commanders here and, and I'll be tipping them at least to win in my, my head-to-head tipping competition. He's, uh, he's, but shown, thank- he's shown kind of peak Carson Wentz, hasn't he? He's shot those first couple of weeks where he was, he was playing some pretty good quarterback play and, and like you said, slinging the ball around and hitting his guys and, and that sort of stuff. And then you get three weeks of absolute mind-boggling decision-making and... <laughs> Um, you know, just absolute, I don't, I don't know, dreck. Um, yeah. And it's just, it, it's hard to watch sometimes. And, and I feel, I, I was a big Carson Wentz fan for a long time. And um, yeah, I, I, I backed him, I supported him. I yeah, had, his, had his back for a long time on, on this podcast, especially that he was going to put it together. And uh, just, yeah, I don't, don't know what's happened to him since that, that knee injury. Just, I just don't know what's happened to him. I'm sure there'll be fans out there to watch it, and to be honest, I probably will, but uh, I'll be hoping yep. that it's um, a bit better than last week. That is for sure. But we move on to the Monday morning slate. Uh, they don't get too much better uh, as we start off with this one, though, to be honest, and that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The total in this one, 43.5, Tampa 8.5-point favourites. And again, it's a, it's a high-ish line, but against these Steelers, it's probably not a high enough line. <laughs> And I think the Bucks will cover. I know they were disappointing last week in a way, and after a, a pretty solid start in the first couple of in the first three quarters. But just look at the 
the the, the talent, I suppose, the, the discrepancy discrepancy there, and what Tampa have on all facets of the side of the ball. I know Pittsburgh's defense has been has been renowned for the last couple of years, but they just look a different outfit without TJ Watt, and, mm. and I just don't know how they they manage to slow down Tom Brady too much. Again, who's um you know going to be looking for a point to prove after almost bottling him against the Falcons, a team he's never lost to, and I think it looks like another blowout here for Pittsburgh Steelers this time at at their home ground. But um, yeah, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, big numbers coming. I think Lenny Fournette will have another big day as he did last week. So yeah, hard to see Tampa not being able to cover here. They'll certainly get the win, you'd think, and um, I think it's a cover coming for the Bucks, mate. What are you thinking? Yeah, a bit of a bit of a tough run for the Steelers. I mean, last week they had the the third ranked DVOA passing offense. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and those guys that kind of took the game away from Pittsburgh really early and, and never really looked back. This week, they've got the eighth-ranked pass attack. You've got Brady, Evans, Godwin, etc. plus Lenny Fournette, who, who showed that he can do it on the ground and in the air last week. Um, and, you know, we know how dangerous this uh, Bucks offense can be. It, it is a hell of a run for, for a struggling Steelers outfit, They've lost four in a row now since they they uh, had that upset in uh, in week one on the road at, at Cincinnati. Um, can they be thumped twice in a row? Yes, I think they can. Can I can I bet it? Am I willing to bet it? Yes, I think I am, and and I think that the Bucks win by two or more touchdowns. So yeah, I'm I'm on this line as well, same as you, mate. Nice one. Well, we're agreed there, but. Potentially, maybe not as much in this one. Again, really hard one to pick, and it's the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. Indy, minus two and a half point favorite. The total is 41 and a half. How are you seeing this one, mate? Uh, oh, it's a tough one. It might, might be a stay out one. I'm, I'm not sure. Jacksonville, as we kind of mentioned, had been playing some pretty good football and thought they might come back to earth, and, and they kind of fell back to earth last week with a loss to the, the previously winless Houston Texans. And now they can't this week against the worst offense in the NFL, according to Football Outsiders, uh, in Indianapolis. And, and there are some huge concerns around the Colts. And, you know, th- there's question marks around Jonathan Taylor and his fitness, um, you know, with that foot and ankle. Um, you don't know if he's back this week or not. I, I think that he probably is, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, and, and so I'm not I'm not certain. I'm not sold on, on either side. If if this one comes out maybe to a flat three or more, then I'm tempted to take the Jags at the plus line, being the underdogs, but I've got no confidence either way. And maybe at 41 and a half, I mean, with both of these teams, the, the indie offense, Jacksonville potentially hitting the wall last week uh, against Houston, not able to put up points against you know, another terrible defense that maybe the unders, maybe 41 and a half is potentially a couple of points too, too long for that line. So... I'm thinking maybe maybe the unders is the play here, but I'm not I'm not saying that with any confidence, and it, it may be a complete stay out. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point, and I, I tend to agree in all facets there. I think for me, I was leaning Jacksonville at the plus as well in this one, and again, just seeing it under a field goal probably has has heard me on the side of caution to stay out. And again, like you said, mate, I think the unders looks probably the play here, if anything. And yeah, I reckon that line probably should be a flat 40 or maybe 39 and a half. So, yeah, I think you're right with another one or two points added onto that. The unders might be the play here. But, yeah, it was a pretty disappointing loss for Jacksonville, who all of a sudden a couple you know, a couple of weeks ago, they looked like world beaters. And I know they mm. only beat the Chargers without 
really a fully fit Justin Herbert, and it was almost like the Chargers um, through that game. But well, they they were the uh, they were the top seed in division for a week, the Jags. So. For a week, yeah. <laughs> well, going into last week and and facing the Texans, who they they should have beaten at home. Uh, I know they had that terrible record against the Texans. They were the favourites for the AFC South, but that's obviously flipped now that. They've lost that match. The Titans won again, and and Indy, of course, pulled off that shock victory. So, mm. yeah, the the AFC South has flipped again, and it can again this week. And and the teams only met, you know, three four weeks ago in week two. So, um, they they've obviously got to know each other pretty well. And on that occasion, it was a twenty four nil victory to the Jags. So, mm. a, a massive massive win and, and shutting the Colts out. So that kind of again points to that unders. But yeah, that Jacksonville defense solid enough again last week, but. Trayvon Walker, the number one pick, and um, my pick for Rookie of the Year, made a really bad mistake last week with um, his sack and, and hit on Davis Mills, which cost the team a penalty and, and eventually led to to Houston's game-winning drive that they would have punted on, but in, instead they got another first down and uh, away they went. And, yeah, so the Jags, you know, they, they actually gained the Texans last week as well by about 180-odd yards, so... It was just three empty trips, really, to the red zone. They had one turnover, two field goal attempts, and and that was it. So, yeah, whoever can convert going going into the red zone in this one will be the winner. If anything, I'd have to lead to the Jags. If if we're both, and I, I think we're both leading towards the, the Jags at the plus. If if two and a half is a lean and a, and probably a no play, is is three a play for you? If it gets out to to a flat three, at, yeah, at flat three is almost a, a play. Three and a half, a definite play, I think. And, yep. uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, three and uh, a half would be would be a, a, an absolute play. Three would be, yeah, a, a little play. Three, yeah, three's worth three's worth a flutter. Three and a half, yeah. an absolute play. I, I'm not sure that it gets to gets to three and a half, just given that previous result in in week two when when a team wins by twenty points. So I don't, I'm, it's going to be you're going to be hard pressed to get a to get a plus line of of anything let alone two and a half three um if you can shop around and get three i'd, I'd take it but two and a half is you know better yeah. better's call really yeah absolutely mate agree and we move on to another game that's got a very tight line and that's the cincinnati bengals at the new orleans saints the bengals go in as the slight favorites one and a half points here total 43 and a half mate how are you seeing this one yeah, no, I think it's a really intriguing matchup, and I, I feel like they're slowly putting it together, Cincinnati. I, I don't think that we can read too much into the fact that they lost last week to Baltimore, because as, as I've said a number of times over the last few weeks, I, I really think Baltimore is a very, very good team. I, I did think preseason that New Orleans was going to be a very, very good team, but they're not right now, um, and it was really only because of one of those, you know, you get it once a, once a year or twice a year over the last two or three years, one of those games from Taysom Hill that, that got them over the line for uh, over the Seahawks last week, and they're just a, a strange team at the moment. New Orleans, I just, I think I've got more trust in in Joey Burrow in that offense that's been sputtering, but starting to show signs of life, uh, and and the Bengals to get the job done this week. And it it does feel weird saying that I trust the Bengals more than I trust the Saints because that would be unheard of, you know, over the last decade, um, probably two or three decades, but the, the Saints defense isn't performing up to expectations. They're actually moving down the defensive ratings while the Bengals offense also hasn't been performing up to expectations, but they're moving in the right way. They're moving in a positive direction, heading up the offensive rankings over the last couple of weeks. I'm on the Bengals here. Uh, yeah, I, under the, the dome in New Orleans, I feel like it's good conditions for, 
for Joey B and, and Jamar Chase and, and that offensive uh, core group of guys. And, and the offensive line is, is starting to put it together. We saw that last week against Baltimore, even though they didn't get the dub, that uh, that offensive line was, was uh, you know, starting to make some moves. And, um, and you know, I, I think that they're starting to put it together, Cincinnati. Agree wholeheartedly, mate. They, um, they're certainly on the up and, and the team I want to be on in this one. And as you said, it, it took a Taysom Hill, a ridiculous match from Taysom Hill for the Saints to get over the line last week. In a matchup, they probably really should have won quite comfortably looking at it on paper. Obviously, they started almost you know, six, five and a half, six point favorites there. They're at home against the, a struggling Seahawks team or a, a Seahawks, a rebuilding Seahawks team, I should say. But they, they have been one of the disappointing teams of the season so far, haven't they? The Saints, they've they've snuck over, they've had two wins and they've snuck over the line against the Falcons and Seahawks. So, yeah, certainly nothing to ride home for for the Saints this year, this season so far. And, and obviously still doubts around Jameis Winston and, and if he, his injury. Alvin Kamara came back last week and, and played well, but yeah, no Michael Thomas still. So yeah, I just I just worry about the Saints and, and more of a concern, I suppose, is that defense that we've we've touched on a couple of times and and you know they really were expecting to take another leap this year and be one of those elite uh, defenses and they've been far from that and 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 not even kind of middle middle of the table. So yeah, I think the Bengals can can snap out of their funk, I, I suppose, in a way they they've been just just going, haven't they? They they obviously won two in a row heading into the game last week and almost pinched a victory against the Ravens without doing much. Um, mm. The Ravens absolutely controlled that game last week, they especially did. in the first half, but the Bengals stayed in touch and, and did enough to hit the lead late, but uh, ultimately fell short. And I think, yeah, like you said, perfect conditions for Joe Burrow and, and that receiving quarter really burst out. And, and, you know, they haven't even hit 30 points yet this year, which we saw um, so many times last year, especially in the back half of the year, they were putting up some huge numbers and, I think it's time for the offense to really make a statement this week, and I think they'll do it. And the minus one and a half looks a very nice play for me as well, mate. So I'll be getting on the Bengals in this one. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And we, we we've spoken about Taysom Hill, and and I think you know what what just goes to show about the the type of play that Taysom Hill is, and and you can't expect that that type of performance every week. He's a bit of that you know switchblade, um, you know, fill, fill gaps. Yeah, you, know, you might need him to. You know, fill in at QB. You might need him to, to play at tight end. You might need him to run the ball a little bit. You might need him to play out wide or whatever it is he, he can do. And he's got the varied skill set. But um, you're not expecting those types of numbers every week. And just to showcase, I guess, the type of game that he had for the Saints last week, the list of New Orleans Saints players with three rush touchdowns and one passing touchdown in a single game for the New Orleans Saints. Archie Manning in 1977 and Taysom Hill in 2022. That's it. So, I mean, that that type of game doesn't come around very often. So wouldn't be expecting that type of output from Taysom Hill again. Uh, but we know that he's got the skill set. But that was the difference with them winning and losing that game last week. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people um, picking him up on the waiver wise, though, hoping for a repeat performance somewhere down the line later in the season. But funnily enough... Um, Taysom Hills as well. Uh, Taysom Hill last week. Um, he also um, had a huge block in and played a, as a tight end uh, in that match, and he had a really um, you know imperative block late in the game. So he was doing it all. He recovered a fumble as well. So he's the type of guy that every every franchise wants a guy like Taysom Hill. Yeah, he can do a bit of everything. He can fill in on special teams. Can you know, like you said, put the body on and and, and make a hit, make a play. 
um, can throw the ball if you need him to, can run the ball, can catch the ball, like just does a bit of everything. Um, and yeah, he's a really important piece for New Orleans because they're, they're missing some some other pieces. But um, yeah, I'm just not sure that, uh, that this is the week. I don't, I don't think you're going to see it two weeks in a row. No, I agree with that, mate. And I think the Bengals... Look to be good things, hopefully, for us this week. Uh, we move on to the New York Jets, the high-flying New York Jets. They <laughs> take on the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. The Green Bay Packers are the minus seven-point favorites. The total here is 46.5 points. And the Jets coming off a huge win. The, the Packers coming off a huge loss, in a way. And, yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup between these two teams. The Jets, obviously, having that big win against the Miami Dolphins, snapping a a long losing streak against their division opponents. And, and they really took uh, the Dolphins a task in that final quarter. It was pretty tight. The Jets exploded against the Dolphins in that last quarter uh, after, of course, Teddy Bridgewater did get injured early in that one, which certainly helped the Jets' cause. But, yeah, I don't know. Robert Salah's men are, are kind of doing a little bit something special, a little bit different, and they've won back-to-back games for the first time in I don't know how long, but... It seems like a long time since the Jets uh, have been uh, at three and two and above five hundred. So, yeah, they're it seems doing like well. A long time since the Jets have been relevant. Full stop. Yeah, oh, it's, it's a great point, and, and finally people are talking about them. So it's exciting to see, and and you know they've got the Packers at the right time. They're obviously coming off a, a bad loss to the Giants. They're coming all the way back from London. Zach Wilson two and zero as a starter, uh, and the Jets are one two on the trot, and they haven't lost on the road yet this season. I'm sure. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers, you know, has all the best medical advice on how to combat, you know, travel and jet lag and you know, other types of, you know, oxygen in the blood and all that types of things. So I, w- I wouldn't be too worried about Aaron Rodgers coming back from from London. But yeah, look, the, the Jets are a really intriguing story, and and you know, we've spoken a lot about the, the different pieces and, and the way that they're building. And you know, Brees Hall had a big game last week. He you know, had touchdown on the ground, 100, 100 receiving yards, essentially, mainly off the back of one kind of, you know, was it 75 or 80-yard catch and run uh, down the sideline, which is impressive. But you know, he's showing showing how important and, and how dynamic he can be. And uh, I think you mentioned briefly off air just before we started recording that, that he's into favoritism for Offensive Rookie of the Year, which is uh, nice for me. But he's, he's got to keep that got to keep that that kind of standard up and and the main thing that he's got to do is take the pressure off Zach Wilson he's got to keep running the ball he's got to pound the rock and you know take the hits and and he's got the the big body to do that um he's shown that he can kind of compete in the air as well and he can he can impact uh play by play by play and and move the chain so he's got to keep doing that for for the Jets to to keep you know growing their relevancy again it's been a long time since they've been relevant in the league and um, you know, I, I think that, that there's two kind of sides to this story. You, you mentioned that it, it could be a good time to to meet the Packers. That they're not playing particularly well at the moment. Obviously, had the the, the loss last week uh, to the Giants. But the other the other side is that you know last week it, it's a London game, and and we know that weird shit happens when you, you play games overseas. Uh, the Giants are on a run. That's weird enough in itself. A, a lot of weird shits happening at the moment with. <laughs> Things that concern the Giants and and the Packers. So I don't know if we can if we if we read too much into that last week. I, I do think I, I mentioned at the top of the show. I think the Packers will come good. I think they write the ship. They've got to. They've got Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, under centre, and there is obviously some some clear differences to Packers teams of the past. You know, they don't have Devonta Adams. They don't have that clear deep threat and. Um, you know, one of the one of the things is that Aaron Rodgers has never finished a season 
averaging fewer than 5.3 air yards on completed passes. So far this season, he's averaging 3.8 air yards per completion. And and that just goes to show that there is no deep threat. There's no deep ball. There's no one to, to go to to rely on for that big play, that big pass that you need. There's no Devonta Adams. There's no Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Alan, Lazar, Alan Lazard is a good receiver, but he's not a big-time wide receiver. He's not, a, he's not your WR1 as you, if you want to build a, build a squad, build a franchise. And, and like we said at the top, their, their defense hasn't quite been as advertised just yet. Um, they've been a little underwhelming. I think that they get better as well. I think they get better on both sides of the ball, and, and they will right the ship. Um, but they have been underwhelming on, on both sides, on, on offense, on defense. Um, that being said, at home, they're back at home. Uh, yeah, I think that they're going to be out for revenge on the city of New York after last week, and I think that they get this done. Uh, I'm on the, the Packers at the line here. At, at the flat touchdown, um, I'm on the Packers, and I, I think that they probably win by 10. We move on to the next matchup, New England Patriots at the Cleveland Browns. The Browns go in as the minus three-point uh, three favourites, the total 42.5, and it's a very interesting matchup between two two and three teams. Obviously, the Pats got their second win of the season last week with a thumping shutout victory over the Lions. Uh, certainly one we didn't probably see coming. It's one that it's, yeah, you talk about like the ones that you'll take and I'll take getting that, that correct scoreline any day of the week. But that is one that I got very, very wrong because I think my exact quote was the Patriots aren't going to blow anyone out of the water this season. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to blow out anyone this year. And then... What do you know? They go and do it. So, you know, it is what it is. Also two and three. And, and of course, they had another close loss last week. They've had, all three of their losses have actually totaled a combined six points. So that's been the killer for the, the Browns in clutch time. And, and they've really struggled to execute late in games with quarterback Jacoby Brissett. He's thrown his only three interceptions this season in the last three minutes of their three losses. So... Every time they've had a chance to kind of have the ball and, and go ahead or get back in front after kind of blowing the lead or, or coming back, uh, Jacoby Brissett's made some some bad plays and, and mm. no more so than last week against the Chargers. That was a, a terrible throw and, and let the Chargers off the hook after they, they went for it on fourth and two incredibly. Um, and that's the difference between I, kind of an average quarterback and a good quarterback. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And and that it's hurting the Browns. Excuse me, hurting the Browns because... They could easily be five and zip and have Deshaun Watson waiting in the wing. So they could be in control of that AFC North, but instead they are back in the ruck at two and three. And yeah, it, it's an interesting one because obviously, yeah, the quarterback position has been the big talking point for the Browns all season. But the Patriots, though, will rely just like the Browns on their run game. But unfortunately, Damian Harris uh, will be missing for a few weeks with a hamstring injury, which gives the keys over to Ramonde Stevenson. And it's still a ground and pound team, but Jacoby Myers has become a, a very valuable asset at wide receiver as well. He's catching a lot of passes and, and doing really well. So, yeah, interesting one. I almost kind of lean to the Patriots in this one as as the slight dog here, but uh, yeah, not sure about this one. It's a complete stay out in terms of betting for me. But if anything, I'd be looking at that Pat's line, uh, especially if it stays at that flat three. It almost almost tip into that if it goes any further than that. But yeah, it's probably a stay out. But uh, like I said, slight lean to the Pats in this one. I I agree, but I'm opposite. I, I think it's a stay out, but if anything, I lean towards the Browns here because I just don't think the Pats are, are any good. What I what I do like is is those Stevenson. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned kind of mm. uh, Damian Harris out. Uh, the Pats 
are built on offense as a, as a ground and pound. You know, they're a run team. They're they're a run first, and and I think we we saw you know once Harris went out last week, what Stevenson can do. I think we've seen at times what he can do when he's when he's given when he's given the ball and and given kind of plenty of touches. And and this is the week against the the last ranked DVOA rush defense. The Browns are horrible at defending the run. Uh, you know, their, their defensive line in terms of stopping uh, efficient running is is just incredibly bad. And, and if Stevenson's going to have one of those breakout weeks, um, this is the one. And, and so, you know, there's no props out at the moment, but it almost doesn't matter what that line's at. I'd, I'd be taking it. Um, you know, the books are the books for a reason, and I'm sure that they'll be competitive, but you almost can't accurately predict what that line looks like. It, it may be 49.5, it may be 109.5, you never know. But yeah, I, I'm kind of expecting one of those, you know, 130 yards, 140 yards, 150 yards with a touchdown for, for Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson. I think it's going to be a massive, massive week for Stevenson. You'd, you'd be starting him, you know, set and forget in, in fantasy until Damien Harris is back. Um, and yeah, that that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. I'm kind of I lean Browns if if I had to if I had to make a pick for for a line bet, it's the Browns. But you know, I, I think my cash this week's going into uh, into Stevenson rush props, anytime touchdown, any combination of that sort of stuff, um, and anything with his uh, rush line. It could be anything under 120 yards, and I'd probably take it. What about the Browns? What what do you like about the Browns other than their run game? What what is kind of standing out to you for them? No, I mean the, their run game's impressive, and we know that we we know that historically over the last couple of years that you know Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt are one A and one B. I think Nick Chubb's kind of separating himself from Kareem Hunt this season in that it's a it's a one and two or an A yeah. and B. Um, and that makes sense. I think that was always kind of on the cards. I think Kareem Hunt offers a bit more, you know, as that extra receiver. Um, but Nick Chubb's shown that he can do that too. So, yeah, I think that they've got that. And that's, that's a clear advantage. Um, but I, I do think that Cleveland are a, at, at the moment, I think that they're a, a better team. I think Jacoby Brissett is performing at a level that is enough to beat teams like New England at the moment. I, I'm, I don't believe in the New England defense this season. Um, it's certainly not your, your standard vintage Pats defense. I've got no trust in them. Uh, I think that, that the Browns can put up points really quickly, and I don't think that the Pats have the ability to put up that sort of points or, or points volume uh, to the same extent. I know that they did it last week, but that Detroit defense is horrific. Um, and... Yeah, I've I've just got no trust in the Pats, and, and I feel like the, the the line's probably a little bit low for for the Browns. But it, I, my issue with the Browns in this one is that I feel like this line should be at five, but historically I've got no trust in the Browns, and and we know that historically the Browns are going to brown, they're going to fuck it up somehow, and that's why I'm not willing to to make it an official play. But I lean the Browns. Um, it's a strong lean, but I'm, I, I say that with no confidence. But my yeah, my, my money's with uh, with the run game in uh, in New England. 
Uh, Minnesota at Miami is the next game on the schedule here. Minnesota minus three, total 45 and a half, mate. Now, you've posed the question, are the Dolphins in trouble? I think they might be in trouble. I, I think they're better than they're showing. And I think what we've seen is that maybe we've underestimated the importance of Tua to this Miami team. Mm-hmm. Uh, two losses in a row. When they lost to the Bengals, the Bengals were underperforming. I think they're probably still underperforming, but you know, definitely underperforming when they lost to Cincinnati. Now they've lost to the Jets, and it is the Jets. No matter how much they've improved on previous season, it's still the Jets. Um, is it no Tua, no Miami? Um, you know, maybe this week they've maybe not even got Teddy Bridgewater to fall back on. Uh, again, I, I think that he probably does play, but but there is some question marks. Uh, they got destroyed by the Jets' run game. All five touchdowns by the Jets were conceded on the ground. Uh, this week they've got Dalvin Cook, who's obviously one of the best in, in the game. He had 94-2 and two on the ground last week. He could be in for a big one, so keep an eye on those props again. And you add him to... To Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, Irv Smith. You know, th- there's clearly an upgrade in Minnesota on what the Jets are able to throw at the Dolphins last week. Um, the question mark is, is that Minnesota uh, consistency that we've talked ad nauseum about for, for the last six weeks, six years. But <laughs> you know, everything going to plan, I think that the, this line again uh, is, is short and... Um, you know, no tour, no Miami potentially, and, and yeah, I've, I'm I'm fairly big on Minnesota in this one at, at the line at the the minus three. I'd prefer if it was two and a half, but you know, the three I'm still yeah, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, huge concerns over the Miami quarterback situation, and it's the reason why I'm also leaning and, and making it a play for that matter. Actually, the Vikings minus three, especially the way the Vikings have have that explosiveness on offense, and and it's what we saw last week against the by the Jets, as you said, a lot of running, uh, rushing yards, uh, obviously getting into the end zone as well. And, and there's probably, you know, one of the best running duos in the league in terms of um, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Mattinson for the Vikings. And, of course, they've got that amazing receiver corp. And Cousins has been on form. He, he started the season, uh, started the game last week, I should say, with 17 straight completions, which was a, a franchise record. And I know he didn't have to throw into coverage at much or if at all, but uh, he he got the job done and and they moved the ball. And and I think they'll be able to move the ball with ease again here in this one. And they're actually going for their fourth straight victory, would be be their first since 2019, which just shows you the inconsistency, I suppose, the Vikings have had over the past couple of years, which we've we've been banging on about. But contrary to that, that's an amazing stat given the, the talent that they've got and had. Yeah. An amazing stat. Exactly right. And another amazing stat, though, to be honest, is that Miami have been bloody good at home and they haven't actually lost in Miami for quite a while. They're going for their ninth straight win at home. So, yeah, something's got to give here. And, and I think, though, it is the, 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 the Dolphins to give up that streak. And I think the Vikings get the job done, especially if, if Tua, which we know is probably very unlikely to be there, and if especially if Bridgewater's not, that, that line will blow out to probably closer to almost a, a six or a seven point kind of line there for the Vikings. But even with Bridgewater there, I don't know if they can uh, stop this Dolphins, uh, sorry, that Vikings offense. And they've scored 28 or more points in every game they've played so far um, in these in this win streak. And uh, the Dolphins have been allowing 31 points per game in their last four after kind of starting the season with a bang uh, at home against the Patriots. So yeah, that Dolphins defense is kind of, 
been giving up some big chunk plays, and, and I, I can certainly see it happening again here from the Vikings. So, yeah, Vikings minus three for me as they continue to lead the NFC North. We move on to the Baltimore Ravens against the New York Giants. This is going to be a very interesting matchup, the 3-2 and two Ravens against the 4-1 and one Giants. The Ravens minus five, the total 44 and a half, mates. Can the Ravens get back on track and, and kind of stop this Giants run? I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say about your Giants. This is, this is essentially oh your new God. team. Is it? You, you've got more invested in the Giants than you do in the Bills or the Commanders. So <laughs> I, I feel like this this should be your team now, the Giants. But I, I, I do feel like this run stops now. And I mentioned earlier that we we're going to go into some of the some of the stats around the Giants. And I think where it starts is that you know, Brian Dayball's biggest gift, like I said before, to the Giants franchise is just simplifying the game of football for Daniel Jones. They're not doing anything revolutionary. They're not doing anything special. It's short throws. They're moving the chains. They're moving the ball. And ultimately, what they're doing to win games of football is getting the ball in the hands of Saquon Barkley. And and Saquon Barkley is an insane footballer, like an insane footballer. And that's what they've got to continue to do here against the Ravens. Uh, rush defense, which is ranked 26th by Football Outsiders. So there's an opportunity there for the Giants. But the reality is that the Baltimore Ravens are a much better team. They're a top five overall team in the NFL at the moment. Despite being 4-1 in the win-loss column, I think the Giants, they sit mid-table around the entire NFL. They sit mid-table in overall DVOA mainly off the back of their 25th-ranked DVOA defense. They struggle against both the pass and the run. And like I said before, it's important to note that they haven't really played anyone of note, really, a truly A-level team yet outside of the Cowboys, and they lost that game. That's their one loss. So I've got the Ravens by a touchdown or more here. I, think, I feel like the line should be a touchdown. Um, and at five, I'm, this is, might be my bet of the week. Ooh, confident, man. I think you're just... Hoping more than anything, mate. But uh, no, no. Look, I can completely concur with with the sentiment, mate. They they've certainly been, um, you know, they look the more dominant team on paper, and, and no doubt they'll um, come into town and and be able to do something special. And, and I know you touched on a couple of weeks ago how good Lamar Jackson would be under a Brian Dayball offense in New York under the bright light. So we get a glimpse of it this week in a way where uh, Raymond um, Lamar Jackson gets to do his thing in front of that big New York crowd, but. Yeah, it's going to be say up to Saquon Barkley, and, and to be honest, not much else for the Giants, and that's that's a concern, isn't it? They, he's had three straight games now of 100 plus scrimmage yards. He's he looks like the dominant back in the league, or definitely in the top two or three, which is um, phenomenal considering uh, the injuries he's had over the past couple of years. But the Ravens certainly look more rounded and and more well rounded, uh, and they they've looked incredibly well matched up here at the quarterback position, of course, and. Lamar Jackson, while he wasn't at his amazing best last week, the fact is that he's actually staying upright and, and the, the offensive line are giving him a chance to succeed, which they weren't last year. He, he's only allowing, they're only allowing 1.8 sacks per game this year compared to last season, which was second worst at 3.4. So Lamar Jackson, as soon as he's got time in the pocket, we know how dominant, dynamic he can be with his legs, but he's become a more accurate passer and he's got some weapons and Rashad Bateman should come back into this team and this week, so another weapon for him. But, of course, Mark Andrews, Devin Duvernay, who's had, who's had a, a phenomenal year so far, and, and J.K. Dobbins looking like he's back to his best after a couple of weeks back as well at running back. So they certainly look more talented and, and certainly look 
certainly looked a better team on paper, but don't know something special brewing in New York, mate. And I would I love know. the Giants to get to five and one, but uh, oh, yeah, I don't mate, see it happening. Sickening. But it's a I don't see it happening this week, but it's a, it's certainly a stay out for me, mate. I uh, it's, couldn't it's bet against sickening. my Giants, as you've now called them. Sickening to hear you say that they could be five <laughs> and one. That is just sickening and disgraceful. But it'll look, be pretty fun. Im- impressive. Im- I certainly didn't have them at four and one, despite the you know somewhat easier schedule. But uh, yeah, I certainly didn't have them four and one. Um, I think what what is what is good to note is the development in their offense over the last few weeks. We've seen, you know. Last week it was um, Darius Slayton had mm. we went six of seven in terms of completions and and you know seventy odd yards or, or something, and so you're starting to get those receivers and they've been so poor in terms of kind of the, their receiving core. You got guys like Kenny Golladay, Darius Slayton, uh, and, and Kadarius Tony and stuff that just aren't having an impact at whatever level. You know, there's some injuries and health and fitness, blah blah blah. But you know, there's talent there. And for whatever reason, Dayball hasn't been using them um, to, to some extent. And, and now, hopefully, there's some signs that maybe those guys are going to start to get more involved in the offense and, and maybe take some pressure off Saquon Barkley. Um, because, like you said, Saquon Barkley is their offense at the moment. Um, if, they can, if they can balance that out, then they're going to they're be a lot more dangerous against better teams. Um, but this is, this is, you know a real real test for the giants and and if if they can if they can do something here then i might change my tune but i'm just not sure they're as good as their win loss record suggests they are no it's a fair point and the ravens have this phenomenal record against nfc teams on the road as well they've won their last seven uh away matches against the nfc opponents so you'd think that would continue this week uh, we move into the final game of the early slate here at 4 a.m. on Monday. The San Francisco 49ers are at the Atlanta Falcons. The Niners go in as minus five and a half point favorites with the total at 44 and a half, mate. I, I, again, I kind of feel like this line is slightly short. Um, the Niners are the class, the class team here, right? Like, even taking out some of those injuries, if Nick Bosa misses, which we expect he probably misses one, at least um, Emmanuel Mosley out, as as we know, and, and we know that they're always kind of a, a bit of a, a rotation belt in that there's always guys missing from this Niners team. But somehow they they continue to get the job done. But you know it's it's spring carnival here in 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 Australian racing terms, and you know you'd be placing the weights on San Fran in in this case. Um, that's why they've got the, the the five and a half point start for Atlanta, and I just think that. Even with the injuries, whatever's happening in San Francisco, this stuff's been happening for years. I still think that even with all that, they're way too good for, for this Atlanta team. Uh, even with that understrength defense with guys missing, um, Debo Samuel and, and Jeff Wilson on offense really seem to be gelling as that kind of duo on offense, allowing Jimmy G, like we spoke about uh, Daniel Jones just before, just keep things simple. You know, keep the ball moving, keep the chains moving. Um, Debo Samuel and, and Jeff Wilson doing some some good things. Um, I'm happy to take San Francisco here under a touchdown. So even if that this line comes out to six or six and a half, I'm taking the Niners here. Uh, if it gets to, to a, a seven, then there's probably a bit more to think about. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Niners here under a touchdown. Yeah, hard to argue, mate. I'd, I'd probably have to lean that way as well. It's not a it's not an official play for me, but I, I do agree the Niners should be winning and winning well uh, at least by that 
that one touchdown score that you mentioned. And yeah, uh, obviously the Falcons have, have been really plucky and, and been really good early mm. and, and somehow almost came back and, and got themselves into almost winning position against the Bucks. If again, if not for that rough in the pass call. And we, we saw them kind of a similar game script when they played the Rams a couple of weeks ago where they were down and out and all of a sudden made this late run and, and almost kind of pinched it at the end. So they're doing well. They had those couple of wins just a couple, um, before but this. But we saw, also saw what, what the Niners did to the Rams as well. So, Well, that's a very, very good point, my friend. And uh, the Falcons certainly weren't as dynamic without Daryl Patterson at running back. And Gay- Met Marcus Mariota had to do a little bit more. And, and he, he did okay. And, and those receivers still look good. Kyle Pitts didn't play last week. I'm not sure if he's available for this one. But, uh, yeah, it does look like a class edge to the Niners. So, again, despite those injuries, they should be getting the job done and extending their lead uh, on top of the NFC West. Let's move on to the 7 a.m. game for Monday. And we start with the Carolina Panthers at the LA Rams. And this looks like a bit of a snooze fest after the way these two teams have been playing. But it's going to be watch much watch television for the fact that the Carolina Panthers have a new head coach and the Rams just need to snap out of something and they go in as massive favourites for some reason, minus 10 and a half. I'm not sure I could touch that with a 10-foot pole against any team right now. The Rams, the total though as well, which is surprising, is only 40 and a half, which if you told me that this time last year or uh, even week one, I would have almost bet that the Rams would put up 40 themselves. So mm. yeah, it, it's it's a, it's an interesting matchup. But uh, what are your quick thoughts on this one, mate? Huge red flags for both of these teams. Uh, We've spoken about Carolina at the top uh, around Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield and all that type of stuff. So I'm not sure we we need to go too much into that again. We don't really know what to expect, what they're going to put up this week. So it's it's a really hard one to play. Um, On the other side, we've spoken about the Rams a lot over the last few weeks. They're a mess at the moment. It's not working, and, and whatever magic they found on that, that run in the second half of last season to the Super Bowl has well and truly faded away, and this team is just a shadow of its former self. These, this was the best team in football down the stretch last season. They're currently ranked 26th in overall DVOA. They can't get it done on either side of the ball. The offense is in clearly worse shape than the defense, but you know, for, the, for the defense, being league average or thereabouts – just ain't going to cut it when you've got Aaron Donald, Bobby Wagner, Leonard Floyd, and Jalen Ramsey. You can't be league average. You've got to be better than league average. You've got to be in the top five, top six defenses in the league with that sort of talent uh, behind the ball. And I just don't know what they're doing on offense. They are, uh, Matt Stafford is not Matt Stafford at the moment. Um, he's a, a turnover machine, either fumbles uh, or interceptions. Uh, you know, they're very, as we've said a number of times over the last month or so, so Cooper Cup centric, which is great for my fantasy team, but you know, it's probably not great for, for, uh, for the Rams. I saw the, the first completion last week was to, to Alan Robinson. I was like, finally, A-Rob's getting targeted. And I think he only had two targets for the rest of the game. It was like, what, what is happening in this Rams offense? I just don't understand what's happening. Like you said, there's no way that I could bet the Rams to win by 11. On the other side, there's also no way that I could bet on the Panthers to lose by less than 11. So it's a massive stay out for me. And like you said, you, you've pointed out the struggles for both teams, and in particular the Rams, who it's just been a, a really bad fortnight for them. And, and they just look lost, don't they? And, and Sean McVay is going to have to go back to the well. And 
and scheme up something because they just look in a world of hurt and, and they just need an extra weapon for Matthew Stafford who can't stay upright. He's getting sacked at a, at a world record pace, as I mentioned off the top. He's been sacked 21 times like uh, Matt Ryan has in Indy. And it's just he hasn't made good decisions when he's been under pressure, unfortunately. And um, we know how good he is when he has time in the pocket and he can make huge throws and, and accurate throws. But he's just been making some poor decisions and he's been crushed. He's, he's, he's probably hurting a bit too, the big fella. So putting you on, on the spot right now, yes. and we haven't, we haven't spoken about this at all, but clearly, you know, Super Bowl winners last season, how much leash does A, Matt Stafford have at quarterback and B, does Sean McVay have as head coach in LA? If this trend continues, how much leash do they have to, you know, kind of let things continue down this track? Yeah, I think they've got, I think they've got credits in the bank here, and and I'm sure they're good enough to turn it around. Just with the the talent that they have on, on both sides of the ball, they they should be able to turn it around. So, I'm not sure what that is going to look like. Maybe it is a game like this where they can potentially blow out the struggling Panthers against the against the team with a new coach, as I mentioned, and um, Steve Wilkes, his only other job in the in the league, he he was only in there for one season. He finished three and thirteen as a as a Cardinals head coach, so he hasn't particularly got set the world on fire as a head coach in the NFL either. But look, I think Sean McVay has plenty of credits in the bank to to answer your question. And same with Matthew Stafford, he's um, the first winning quarterback at that franchise for a very long time, and um, we know his credentials. However, he is aging, and he he has I'd, I'd say McVay has more credits in the bank than Stafford, if that's mm. a if we can say that, but uh, I think both obviously last the whole year and, and even potentially will go into next year unchanged as well. But it, it, it certainly depends if this trend continues and, and they completely blow it up and they finish with four or five wins, then, then questions will be asked of what the future looks like. But yeah, interesting to see what happens with Odell Beckham. If he does come back to the Rams, does he fit? It's probably the best, it's probably the best fit for him, but there'd be other teams trying to chase his signature no more so than, I'm sure the Green Bay Packers are, are calling him at every opportunity, but uh, absolutely. That here's would be fun here's to another see. one. Here's another one for you. If you had, if you had to choose one quarterback to start for your franchise, regardless of receivers, who's available, etc. If you had to choose one one quarterback to start for your franchise tomorrow, current form, whatever, like whatever reasoning you want to make, Matt Stafford or Geno. Oh. Or Geno Smith. Yeah. Uh, I think I still have to lean Matthew Stafford. Oh, wow. Wow. I think I still have to lean to Stafford. Just I, for the I understand it historically. And he's got, like you said, credits in the bank. But oh, on current form, that's a real tough decision. It is a tough decision. It's a great point you make because obviously Geno Smith was, was dead and buried in this league, really, uh, until um, Russell Wilson got hurt last year. And, uh, was given an opportunity, and and obviously now is is the starting quarterback there, and he he's done some good things with a, um, you know, a limited bunch, I suppose. I mean, I still I still know he has Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. It's a pretty good pairing, but outside of him, he ha- that outside of them, they have he hasn't got much, and he he's done a really good job. But Matthew Stafford certainly has, I suppose, better weapons available to him, and and has really struggled. But yeah, I think the fact that he's got credits in the bank, and we know how good he can be on his day. How many daisies has left of those, though? We, it's remained to be seen. But, yeah, interesting, interesting matchup, that one. The Rams and Carolina Panthers. We move on to the next match, and it is a good segue because your man, Geno Smith, 
is playing in this one. It's the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. The Cards are minus two and a half point favorites in the total. 51 and a half points. Let's start with you, mate. Um, being so high on Gino, I'd love to hear why. Well, you you intimated that you're you're strong on the cards in this one. And and so this, this one might be a bit of a, a head-to-head because I'm finding it really hard to bet against Seattle at the moment. And I find that hard to deal with in my own mind because I kind of had them you know, under four wins for the season, under five wins for the season. Um, didn't really see much coming out of the, their offense didn't see much coming out of their defense. But Seattle are a top 10 DVOA team at the moment. They've got the number one offense. The number one offense in the league, according to footballoutsiders.com. And I didn't see that coming whatsoever. I, we've spoken about Rashad Penny. They're going to miss him. But Kenneth Walker looks really handy. You talked about his his year at Michigan last season, last year, I should say, um, and, and what he was able to do uh, in his final season in college. Uh, your long shot offensive rookie of the year, all of a sudden, is not looking that long. Uh, you started at 31, was out to 51 last week when we did this show. Uh, he's into 17s off the back of that news. And, and you know, this might be some, some juicy odds for you to double down there, mate, I reckon. But, um, you know, th- that receiver core that you just mentioned, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, they're both top 15 wide receivers for yardage. So far this season, they've combined for 778 yards and four touchdowns through five weeks, both of them averaging over 12 and a half yards per reception. I think that they're going to be able to stretch this Cardinal secondary in a, a defensive unit that ranks 27th in defensive pass DVOA and allowing the equal fourth most pass completions per game. So I'm leading Seattle at the, the two and a half point line, but shop around and see if you can find three anywhere. And, and if you can find three, that's a, that's a must bet. Two and a half is is a strong lean. Three or anything more than that is a must bet. And I'm probably going to play, just have a, have a little bet on Seattle at the money line just for a, a little bit of value because I've got no trust in this Cardinals lineup either. So, you know, there, there could be, anything could happen in this game. But w- why do you like the Cardinals here? Look, I, I know... I know you just mentioned the the Cardinals defense, and I think they turned things around a little bit last week against your boys. They they looked very good, especially in that second half. They they managed to stop, um, you know, the the passing yards from Jalen Hurts. They they limited, I suppose, the run game as well, and they looked better on offense. I mean, they they went down early, and they this has been the the, the huge thing for the Cardinals all year is their their starts. They're coming from double di- digit deficit leads. Uh, sorry. They're losing by double digits every time they head into halftime. And it's just too much work for Kyler Murray and the, and the team to do on, on offense. And while they kind of make up the points, it's always almost a little bit too late. And they just need to get that going early. And, and I don't know if it's the play calling or if it's just the execution early in games or or what it is, but they just need to start the game better. And if they start and, and you know, stick with the uh, Seahawks early and, you know, they're, they're within touching distance and they potentially should be leading... Uh, then they'll win this game, and, and they're a much better team overall than the Seattle Seahawks, who are, are still a t- defense that are allowing over 30 points per game, which is the second most in the NFL. And, and that's the that's the vulnerable thing I have around Seattle. And yes, they're all the DVOA, as you said, points to them being the number one team in, in the league in offense, which is just crazy to think. But the naked eye says to me that the Cardinals are a better team, and I'm going to back my gut here. And I think the Cards, again as I t- touched on last week, shocking team at home for whatever reason. 
a way better team away from home. And, and I know it's a, a tough place to play, Seattle, but they'll be used to it, obviously, going there once a year as a division rival. And I think the cards get it done here. And, and I think that minus two and a half points is a nice nice play, especially while it's under a field goal, um, just being a classier outfit because I'd take uh, Kyler Murray every day of the week over Geno Smith. And, and I think just the Cardinals just might have just turned a corner a little bit last week. I know I'm not, I'm certainly not high on them and, and you know, making a late playoff push, but uh, I think they get the job done here against the Seahawks. Well, a bit of a, bit of a head to head. Yeah. We potentially had a, a man versus machine, a, a gut versus data. See, <laughs> see, see how it pans out. I, I, I really like, it, it's a tough one because I, I, I feel like it sounded like I was very, very strong on Seattle, and I'm not. But I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a real tough one, and the numbers, the numbers for me, mm. in the way that I look at them, are pointing towards Seattle. But yeah, I, I completely understand and, and agree with you that the Cardinals are a, on paper, much, much better franchise than the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, at their current current points in, in time, that's for sure. But yeah. Funnier things have happened, of course, in the NFL, and as we know, anything can happen. But, yeah, nice to have a little head-to-head potentially on that one. But we move to the match of the week, mate. And, no, it's not the Sunday night football matchup yet because we did gloss over this slightly in, in the talking points at the top of the show. But Monday morning, set your alarms, set whatever you need to do. 7.25, get yourself in front of a TV. The Buffalo Bills are at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills, though, go in as the favourites, minus two and a half points, looking to avenge that incredible game last week we saw uh, last year we saw in the playoffs the shootout that it was and the total here is no unsurprisingly 53 and a half mate kick us off there are so many narratives and so many storylines and so many mm. matchups to watch out for in this one I, I mean just you know buffalo with the number one overall dvoa team kansas city the number eight overall dvoa team the chiefs number three in offensive dvoa uh the bills number two in Defensive DVOA, I mean, it's a hell of a matchup. Buffalo, seventh in offensive DVOA. Chiefs, 15th in defensive DVOA. Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen, Andy Reid and Sean McDermott. Travis Kelsey against the entire Bills defense. Um, I mean, it's it's so intriguing. And I've got no bets here. Like, I've got nothing invested in this one, but I just cannot wait to watch it at all. And Have you got anything in this one? I want to bet the overs. I want to bet the overs because I wanted to sit down and watch these two go hammer and tong again as they did last year. And, and in in fact, the last three times these teams have played, they've, they've averaged 66 points per game. Ooh. So that's a huge number. And, and if it gets anywhere, obviously, if it gets to anything like that kind of shootout, then it's an easy cover for the overs here. So maybe bet that if you if you want to watch that added into your, to any same-game multi that you do have. It's actually the fourth straight meeting that these two teams have had at Arrowhead Stadium. Of course, there's been a couple of playoff games in there to throw it out of whack, I suppose. So last year's divisional round um, was that incredible overtime game that we saw the rule change now come into effect after mm-hmm. Josh Allen didn't get the ball back after that incredible incredible late flurry uh, where he got, the, got them to overtime. And then, of course, the year before was an AFC Championship game as well. So these teams have got a bit of a long history in the Bills haven't won any of those games. So they're looking to kind of right the wrongs. And, and of course, they also lost during the regular season in a pretty convincing fashion, 38-20 to 20 last year. So the Bills have revenge on their mind. They were incredible last week. They didn't play much, but Josh Allen was unstoppable. 348 yards in the first half alone. 
which just looked like he was going to just break all kinds of records early on. But uh, he ended up with a, a career high, just over, I think, tick over 420-odd. But, yeah, they're the two best offences in the league, both averaging over 30 points per game. So that line at 53 actually might look a little bit low, as I said. So the overs is the one for me, but a massive um, a massive watch, and, and I'll be I'll be tuning in for sure. And, I hope uh, that gets up for you. It. I hope that overs gets up for you, because that would mean it's it's another incredible game to watch. And that's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm looking so, for. So, yeah, not an official play, but I, I would lean to the overs just for the numbers that I've just mentioned. And, uh, hopefully we just see a huge shootout. Unfortunately, sometimes, you know, when you hype up these kind of games, they, they don't quite live up to, to standard or they don't go to the script that you thought. But, yeah, it'd be incredible just to watch these two quarterbacks and offences kind of do their thing. And, and um, yeah, I think the Bills can turn the tables. But, again, no confidence in, in playing a match line here whatsoever. But one we need to talk about uh, is the Sunday Night Football Clash that we did mention off the top, the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a rivalry matchup that you cannot miss. So strap yourselves in for an unbelievable doubleheader on Monday morning. The Philly Eagles, though, go in as favorites. Minus five and a half, if you don't mind. 42 and a half is the total. But it's probably fair enough. They are the undefeated team and the only one in the whole league. They were challenged very much so last week against the Cardinals, but they pulled it out late. To the dismay of you and your same game multi, where Miles Sanders <laughs> was absolutely stranded a couple yards short. I don't know why they kept feeding Kenneth. Um, was it Kenneth Gainwell? They just Kenneth kept Gainwell. giving the in, yeah, in the last, kept giving the ball the, to last week. For, for five <laughs> or six years, I've banged on about how I never bet Eagles games, and that has stood true. That has stood the test of time. And this week it was Boston Scott out. You know, going to go. Uh, Miles Sanders against that that run defense uh, even gave you know, took took some extra value and, and and got the got an extra ten yards. You know, went the the under sixty instead of under seventy um, for for a shorter price. And he was I don't know what it was. It was like six carries for fifteen yards at halftime, and I was like, Fuck, <laughs> what are they what are they doing? And then at the end of the game, it was yeah, ended up at fifty eight yards, and I was like, mate, come on. They gave Kenneth Gainwell three straight runs. You've ne- yeah, you've never seen a Philly fan hoping for overtime more than, than Nick last week. <laughs> Just wanted the, the game to be extended so he could get those extra couple yards, which I don't blame you for. But uh, incredibly, they didn't need to go to overtime because the Eagles got it done on a missed field goal. And now they welcome their biggest rivals to town, the Dallas Cowboys, who are 4-1. Cooper Rush still undefeated as the starting quarterback in Dallas, 5-0. and Oh, but that off that defense, as I as I mentioned off the top, Dan Quinn is doing something amazing there in Dallas, and and my man Michael Parsons, who I wish I had got on and and and, and taken this year for Defensive Player of the Year, has just been an absolute beast and is doing everything right. And uh, some, he comes up against. There were some concerns about Michael Parsons and his groin during the game last week, and I Ooh. haven't seen much about it since. But he he went off the field for a little while, came back on. And played incredibly well in the second half. But every time that he kind of made a big play or, or like pushed off from, from a certain foot or whatever, he would kind of grab at the groin. And, and I don't know I don't know if there's something there, if it was just a strain or, or whatever, but looked looked tough at the at the at the point in time. I just haven't seen much since. So I don't know, don't know how he's going, but the dude's a beast. I hope he doesn't play. 
yeah, oh, he, you would hope he doesn't play as an Eagles fan for sure. And the the one that's going to be the interesting the interesting stat line for me here in this one is obviously that Eagles rushing attack that leads the league with uh, twelve touchdowns, including six of those from your quarterback Jalen Hurts. But the Cowboys' defense through the first five games has allowed just one just one rushing touchdown all season. So that something's got to give there, and I can't wait to see what it is. And um, that pass rush as well. They've got a, a their second in the NFL with 20 sacks. So that's where the game's going to be won for the Cowboys. It's about limiting Jalen Hurts and, and that offensive power from the from the Eagles because we know Cooper Rush is there. He's there to make small plays, there to keep um, protect the football, not make those huge down the down the um, down the field chunk plays. And it's it's up to the explosive runners of Ezekiel Elliott and of course our boy TP20. Tony Pollard, when does he get more carries and, and is this the game that he kind of explodes and, and potentially becomes RB1 or at least RB1A or 1B? Yeah, look, yeah, very valid question. I mean, I think he's shown that he's a far more dynamic mm. runner and impact, uh, impact offensive weapon than Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke is a really good downhill runner and you get him in a straight line. He, can, he, he has a good sidestep. But that's it at the moment. He doesn't have a doesn't have a great cut. He doesn't have the good lateral movement. Tony Pollard is, is a former receiver, a, a former special teams, your know, returner, punt returner, kick returner, etc. In college, where he was an absolute gun at Memphis, um, and you know, Tony Pollard can do everything. Uh, he, he's quick. He's strong. He's powerful. He can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He can take hits. He can make hits. Um, he's far more dynamic. And it's uh, if it wasn't for the, the huge contract that, that, that Dallas gave Zeke, then I, I think there's no doubt in my mind that Tony Pollard would be the number one guy in, in this offense. Um, and it's just because of that guaranteed money to, to Ezekiel Elliott that, that he's not. Um, and that you've got to kind of give that a value somehow and, and you've got to force feed Ezekiel Elliott, and he's been good. Don't get me wrong. Ezekiel Elliott, he's a good running back, but it does go to show kind of the risk that you take when you sign running backs to that type of money. Uh, there are some huge risks, and and Dallas are an impressive franchise. I think they've done some really good things. Uh, you know what they were able to do against the Rams last week, and and we know the Rams haven't been fantastic this year. Uh, yeah, they beat another division rival in Washington the week before that. They beat another division rival in, in the Giants, and that's the Giants' only loss so far. They beat the Bengals, um, and the Bengals at that point were underperforming. And then in week one, they got pumped by the Bucks. Philadelphia deserved to be favourites. And I think that this time next week when we, we touch base again, that Philly will be six and zip. The line is certainly inflated and, and should be a lot closer to that field goal, as you mentioned. But yeah. can't wait to watch this one just for the implications, of course, on the season. But yeah, just for, again, it's always a great matchup watching these two teams, no matter what um, stage of the season these two teams are at or, or how their record is. But the fact that they're both flying and up and about and on top of the NFC East, I can't wait to watch this one. It's going to be an absolute blockbuster, uh, especially coming off the back of um, the shootout, hopefully before in, in Kansas City and Buffalo. So, we move to the final game of the season. I've just read your top word on on this on the rundown sheet here for this matchup, and I agree wholeheartedly. It's the 
The Denver Broncos at the LA Chargers. The Chargers at home at SoFi, minus five and a half point favorites, total 45 and a half point favorites. And just let me know, or our listeners, or let our listeners know what that one word is that you've got here. Nope. That first word is nope. And, and I, I, I know that they won last week. The, the Chargers, I still feel like the Chargers are in trouble. I, I still feel like if they put it, put it all together, the Chargers can challenge the Chiefs. But what I'm getting further and further away from is the Chargers' capacity to put it all together. And I think one of the things that, that you know, I said, I think we both said kind of coming into the season, that we wanted to see was an improvement in coaching in the Chargers, an improvement in decision-making, in play-calling from Brandon Staley. We haven't seen that at all. And there's still some real boneheaded decisions, some real terrible play-calling decisions uh, being made in, in LA that, that's really costing the Chargers. And it, that's a real worry. And, and I think that you know, we're not able to see the best out of this franchise because of that. Um, and then, you know, like we've, we've touched on a number of times, Denver, we're just part of the worst game ever seen in the history of sports last uh, last Friday morning, uh, Australian Eastern time. So I'm not having a bar of this one. Maybe a play on the unders with Russell Wilson being A, injured, and B, playing shithouse for, for this season. Um, maybe the unders at 45 and a half. Maybe that's a tad high. So I might have a little play on the unders, but uh, yeah, oh, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty gross contest actually, and it's one I'm staying well away from because of the the ups and downs of these two teams, especially in the first uh, part of the season. Um, the Chargers almost charged themselves last week with a, a fourth and two, where they uh, turned the ball over and, and gave the Browns back the ball in field goal position straight away, and somehow they came away with a win in that game. And, and the Broncos, as you mentioned, just came off the, one of the ugliest games of all time, where they they never looked like losing until they lost kind of thing. It was it was so weird. And, and uh, you know, Russell Wilson continued to struggle. Nathaniel Hackett continues to make himself look like a bit of an idiot. So far at head coach and um, some questionable calls again. But, yeah, what is the what is the status of Russell Wilson and his health this week? Is he is he going to suit so, up? Well, um, the word, so the word is that he had some minor surgery post-game over the weekend, but that he's expected mm. to play. This week, that's that's the word. I mean, good on him. If you can come back from surgery and, and play the following week, then that's great. Uh, but you know, fully fit Russell Wilson so far through four weeks. If you not don't include last week when he got injured during the game, fully fit Russell Wilson hasn't been much to talk about. Uh, at least not positively, anyway. So, what is a not fully fit Russell Wilson? have to show this week and, and massive, massive question marks. Oh, huge question marks. And, and just looking at their depth chart now, because I wasn't even sure who their, their backup was. It's Brett Rippian, who's been on the roster oh, yeah. for a little while. God, that's a that's a downgrade and a half. And, and despite how bad... Um, well, is, is it, though? Well, that's just to say, despite how bad Wilson is, that is, that is a downgrade at quarterback. And, um, you know, coming up against one of the best in the league in Justin Herbert, it's quite a... Um, you know, he'll be throwing or fighting out of his weight division, that's for sure. But, yeah, hard to see the Broncos winning this one, I don't think, with or without Wilson. But I could easily be easily be surprised and, and see the Broncos. Yeah, I don't know. 
that you, I just don't trust the Chargers at the moment, but they are no. they should be winning this one uh, at home in particular, mate. Just should have just ended this one with just nope. Yeah, that yeah, we probably spent way too much time on this one as well. So you're right. I think he captured it all in that one word. So that does bring us to the end of the slate of week six, mate. We've got to pick a lock of the week as we do every week. Uh, this mm. is a crucial one because it'll get us back to three and three if we can get this one. And yeah. a few we agree on, including the Vikings, the Bengals, and the Buccaneers. Is there one of those three that you like in particular? Yeah, it's a tough one. I... I'm thinking the Bengals. The Bengals, interesting. I Bengals, thought you were going to say Vikings, but, but I'm, I'm just as happy to go the uh, the Bengals. What, what was your choice, Vikings? I thought you were going to say that, and I'd be happy with either of those teams. So let's go the Bengals. They've already burnt us once this year, didn't they? Uh, I'm trying to think what we Bengals had to us? They may have. I think they did, but... It's another week, and they're getting better, and I think a struggling uh, New Orleans Saints under the dome, good opportunity here, as you mentioned, for for Joe Burrow and that offense to click into gear. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Got the weight of the the world now with the punt returns, lock of the week on them. So they'll know that. They're big fans of the show, the Cincinnati Bengals. So (laughs) they'll be performing, and I think it was – yeah, that's right. Week two, we had them against the Cowboys – but we didn't know how good that Cowboys defense would be, and and that was a pretty, yeah. pretty awful matchup for us. I think yes. we bet the overs in that. I don't think it was we actually did. the Bengals money line. I think it was the overs. But anyway, we digress. <laughs> the Bengals are our lock of the week for week six. So minus one yes. and a half. Let's just, get us back just, to five hundred. Just before we finish up, I I want to ask our listeners who have made it this far, and I know it's another long episode, but. Please tell us what you think of the show. We want to hear your feedback. We want to hear your comments. Do you like the length of the show? Do you want something shorter? Do you want something longer, more in-depth? We can, we can certainly go longer. Um, we can go shorter. If you want less of something, if you want more of something, tell us. We're on all social media platforms. Just hit us up. Um, tell us what you think. And, you know, we, we want to be able to provide the best show that you guys want to listen to. So tell us if we're missing stuff. Tell us if we're going too deep into stuff. Just tell us what you want to hear, uh, and, and we'll continue evolving this this program uh, to what you guys want to hear. But uh, if you like the show, please go ahead and, and share the show. Uh, you either Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is that you listen, or on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. Which you know, to be fair, I haven't done anything on for six weeks, so you know, don't stress too much about TikTok. But yeah, let us know what you want to hear. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to give it to you. Yeah, 100%. And really well said. I think, um, you know, we, we do the show not only for, for our own enjoyment, but we certainly want to be able to give you guys the, the best show we can and, and give you guys what you want to listen to. So we do appreciate all the feedback, whether it's good or bad, and, and we certainly love you guys listening. So uh, if we can if we can do something to enhance the, the user experience, then please, by all means, let us know and we'll – We'll cater to you guys. We, we're very easy. We, Like you said, Nick and I could probably talk all day, unfortunately, or fortunately, and, <laughs> and uh, we could keep it a lot shorter because we, we know we do probably go into detail. And as Nick mentioned, hit us up on the socials. We love to get in touch with our listeners. Nick, thanks very much, mate. You've made it through another episode, even though you're still a bit crook, unfortunately. We've made it. I'm dying, but I'm surviving. It's okay. 
I'll, I'll be a late one for us on a Wednesday night. But yeah, we very much thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time on The Punt Return. Go Bills. Go Birds. Go Birds.